on a very special consensus. You're going to need to get consent, which is a noise she makes, not a feeling you feel. Consent is the gold standard. Everyone knows what's going on, and everyone said yes. Hello, exactly. Open and honest communication. Mutual acceptance. Yeah, love is blind, lust is Helen Keller. Consent is... I mean, like, you'd have to ask me, like, when I'm not drunk. Hello, exactly. Consent is honesty. What people agree to do. Drive safe, don't rape. Hello, exactly. Never optional. Sexy and required. Hello, exactly. Gentlemen, I think we can all agree that no means no every single time. But what about, uh-huh, even then for sure. Nice has become a dirty word and an insult. And what's funny is that based on its etymology, it started as an insult directly from Etymology Online. Late 13th century, foolish, ignorant, frivolous, senseless. From Old French, nice, 12th century, careless, clumsy, weak, poor, needy, simple, stupid, silly, foolish. From Latin, nisius, ignorant, unaware, literally not knowing, from timid, faint-hearted, pre-1300, to fussy, fastidious, late 14th century, to dainty, delicate, circa 1400, to precise, careful, 1500s, preserved in such terms as a nice distinction and nice and early, to agreeable, delightful, 1796, agreeable, delightful, 1769, to kind, thoughtful, 1830. So a word that was an insult 700 years ago has morphed into something synonymous with the word kind. Yet, from a connotation perspective, if someone is considered a nice guy, it's dismissive and the paramount of trite compliments. Sure, he's a nice guy. When used about women, as in, yeah, she's pretty nice, it's the most banal of platitudes because it's often based on not knowing enough about a person, and when we don't have a read on a person, the de facto is nearly always, they seem nice. It's basically the best way linguistically that we've pretty much all agreed to accept as a global society, as a non-committal assessment of a person, while not being offensive. If we didn't like someone, we'd likely express it, but if we're ambivalent, they're nice. Alternatively, someone may say cool or fine. What's funny about nice, though, is that it's also become, at least for men, a word that denotes undesirable, simp, or friend-zoned. Nice implies lack of interest in many cases in terms of a romantic connection. I think part of that is because of behaviors often perceived around being nice. Nice guys pay excessive attention to ensuring women are having a good time, literally pay for nights out, are overly chivalrous, and in many cases do so because of a direct yet insincere artifice that by being nice, there is a transactional nature to the expression. As though by straddling the line between feminism and misogyny, there is a dialectic that can exist. While nearly any two ideas can be dialectics, this ain't one of them. To me, the key issue here is the lack of sincerity and authenticity in the engagement. 
based on my own research of being a man, at times living in fear of being alone and or being liked, accepted by others, I've absolutely fell victim to presenting myself as a version of me that isn't true to who I am. On a spectrum, all of us wear masks when making bids for connection with others. We have an embedded need for that acceptance and connection at a genetic level, and we have literally been built to optimally function only when we have a community and very often when we have our person. The kicker to all of that, though, is that we also have varying degrees of intuition about those around us, and the most prominent <laughs> is a bullshit detector. For me, when a person I engage with is acting out of self-interest or without integrity, it's literally the biggest red flag that exists. A person who has their nice mask on is someone I have compassion for because they've not yet found the power that authenticity brings because what they've been doing for so long has worked. I'd like to emphasize that I loved my nice mask. I wore it for decades. I was really good at it. I learned how to say the right things in front of the right people, how to make all the acquaintances, not friends, possible, how to be liked. Sadly, by not focusing on who I am and building the confidence, courage, and vulnerability to live in my own skin and actually love myself, I was always playing to the cheap seats in the crowd. I was a chameleon who cared more about my perception of being liked rather than allowing myself to be seen. After a lot of personal work through therapy to address my mental health and personal trauma, workshops, and radical acceptance of the person that I'd become, I was finally in a place where I was ready to take ownership of all of it. The intention behind all of it being to integrate all of what I've learned and experienced in life so far and use it, all of it, as an education a midlife masterclass on how I get to present myself to everyone I interact with. I recognized I was constantly playing the victim and in doing so, gave myself the entitlement to lash out at others. I was controlling and felt my only way to feel powerful was through anger and or being emotionally vacant unwilling to express my true thoughts or feelings. By not taking ownership of my part in bad or failed relationships, I was able to perpetually kick the can of reality because instead of accepting it, I was shaping it and building a subjective bubble where the only truth that existed was my own. I was able to begin to make changes when I hit my emotional and mental rock bottom, which led to a text to my best friend saying, I'm sorry and goodbye. I was dealing with deep depression. I was out of work. I was <laughs> in a marriage where I felt unsupported and I was actively chasing an escape through substances. Fact of the matter was I was wearing so many different masks, adopting so many different personas, protecting my sense of ego at all costs that I had neglected the only thing in this world that absolutely must come first, self-love. I'd spent the better part of 20 years caring more about being perceived as a good person, a hard worker, reliable and valuable, that I almost never took a second to sit my own feelings and see who I actually am. 
by being those things to other people, I got to wallow in my own fear and <laughs> complete loathing of self, never asking for help when I needed it, never setting boundaries if it meant potentially endangering a relationship, which, I mean, by every stretch of the imagination, probably didn't matter because that person never actually saw me. Consistently manipulating others to maintain a version of my mask that would allow me just to be accepted. While in parallel, putting up walls through sarcasm, humor, and avoidant behaviors that I would essentially make people beat down to get close to me. All the while blaming others for their lack of intimacy in relationships, the juxtaposition between the juxtaposition between who I'd become and what I so desperately needed in my life was monumental. As I started to work through process and address all of my issues, two things became crystal clear. One, by and large, every iota of pain I was experiencing was self-inflicted, almost always based on fear, either of losing something or being judged. And two, when I'm living in my authenticity and with integrity, all of that fear and pain disappears. There isn't a single person or thing in this world capable of doing more damage to me than I am. Accepting that also allows me to accept its opposite. No one or thing is capable of bringing me more joy than I am. It warrants his own discussion, but the sheer amount of time in my life that I've spent trying to substantiate how others have hurt, manipulated, or taken advantage of me in order to feel vindicated and warranted in my actions to their behaviors, plus the amount of time that I've spent lying and trying to cover my tracks in order to protect ego, safety, or general well-being is an exercise in fucking futility. And, and this is a fucking very important and, I am grateful for all of it. In thoroughly looking at the person I'd become and recognizing as many of my flaws as I'm capable of at this point in my life, I gained a superpower. I gained multiple superpowers, like compassion, and increased intuition for those who are having an experience in this lifetime near mine. All pain comes with purpose, and by understanding my own suffering, I get the opportunity to be of support to others who may need it. Also worth noting here that I absolutely used to be Mr. Fix-It, Captain Solution, or General I Got You. I wanted to help everyone else, to protect them from pain or discomfort, lead from the front and by example. Except pain and discomfort are our best teachers and by preventing others from experiencing it, I was both taking away learning opportunities for me and, if only passively, implying that others might not be as capable of what I am or that my way is the right way. I was also stopping my chance to learn new ways of solving problems from others and building connection through shared experience and struggle. I'm also now of the mindset that I genuinely don't know shit. <laughs> and what little I do know is only valuable when support is requested. Being service-oriented with humility allows me to be focused on a person, not a problem. I can't fix or control anything 
on my own other than my own feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. And I'm always available to support a request requiring shared effort. Prioritizing, listening, and seeking to understand removes my inherent desire for action from the equation because I can't fix anything. Like, I can, but what's the point? If I'm just trying to jump in and I'm trying to feel as though I'm in control of something or protect someone from something, I'm literally failing myself and them by doing it. Because I, I'm, I am literally trying to put a situation in a box. By removing my desire to insert myself into things, overcommit, control, overanalyze, and very importantly, remember that I shouldn't take things personally. <laughs> I eradicate a majority of where my pain and fear comes from. I don't need to be the solution or martyr, just ready with resentments in the chamber to fire off when I don't get the appreciation or validation I want, that I also never express needing. What I do need to always focus on is that, by and large, everyone is doing their best, and that things aren't done to me, which was the victim mentality that I had for so long, like everybody was against me. The other person is simply, again, doing for themselves and acting in self-interest. The behavior or outcome may be the same and my interpretation and thus my internalization are completely changed. This is also the place where I've made an enormous change. Instead of being focused on the thing that happened and trying to dissect and diagnose to the root of an issue, it's now about recognition, ownership, revisiting boundaries and a commitment to change. One major character flaw I had developed was that when a partner did something to hurt me, I would interrogate and always with an intent and a conclusion already decided in my head to work toward because I needed and I deserved closure, which is like just a bonkers level of thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm massively aware of it now and it's like, in what world do I think that that's an important thing? And even worse, why would I want to put another person through my pain? Because like, ultimately, it's all projection. It's all, I need to get to an end to what happened. Like I've earned something or that it is owed to me. It's fucking never true. <laughs> it's a matter of, once again, it comes back to fear. Like I was so afraid of being out of control or not being able to sit in my own emotions and really work through them that if I could just understand what happened, then I could work through it. Everything was tied to, everything was just tied to something, oh fuck, what is the word I'm looking for? Everything was tied to a level of entitlement as though again, like I was owed something. Shockingly, that never went well and would lead to talking in circles and never land on any type of a resolution or any commitment to change behaviors. Instead of approaching it from a place of seeking to understand, I would tee up months or years of emotional and mental abuse because their personal processing timeline wasn't satisfactory to me. Like, over my relationships, that has been by far the thing I have the most remorse about. 
and it's twofold. I was a really shitty husband and boyfriend because of how I treated partners after they broke trust and lost all respect for them, and more importantly, myself, because I didn't hold to my own values or boundaries and then reacted out of fear. And I, I've now integrated a few things into relationships, having reflected on all of that and trying to really learn from the mistakes that I've made. And so one, absolutely no relationship is perfect. Like mistakes are going to be made and the goal should be compassion and not making the same mistakes again. There needs to be accountability and commitment to change when there is a break in a relationship. And I need to maintain personal integrity and core values when determining if I should continue in a relationship and hold true to the things that are really important to me in terms of my own values. So, and I mean, all of that is to say that like, I mean, it boils down to acceptance and commitment to change or move on if there is a values mismatch and the relationship is no longer additive and no longer serves my highest good uh, mutually, like whether it's for me or a partner. All that leads into the importance of being my authentic self and living in integrity. Both of those are actually under the umbrella of self-acceptance as like a, like the top of the pyramid. Um, and that by accepting who I am at my core, I'm able to share that with others. Like, can you love others without accepting yourself? Sure, I mean, you can. I mean, I did it for years. I fucking hated myself for decades. And I still found value in loving others because at least I could love something. But can you be truly capable of accepting love when you don't love yourself? Not in my experience, <laughs> because I didn't accept myself. More so, I just fucking hated myself. I never trusted the love that anybody showed me. There was always a part of it that felt fake because how could someone love me? The one thing absolutely stonewalled me from having consistent and genuine intimacy. Occasionally parts of my like tender underbelly would peek out, but I would hide it and guard it immediately as soon as I felt like it was, you know, as though I wasn't respected or that trust was broken. And mind you, like, I still wasn't expressing or communicating any of that happening. So around we'd go in a trauma fucking bond and abuse cycle. My inability and unwillingness to put myself first is inarguably the single thing that prevented me from wholly embracing the best of myself and the best in others. Which, again, I mean, that's allowed me to connect with all of my emotions and gain an additional superpower, vulnerability. I'm a big masculine cis male, and if you'd like an example of that superpower, it's being in a mixed crowd of people and openly crying, which I do frequently. <laughs> After having bottled up and repressed my emotions for like 20 years, I'm absolutely like <laughs> Frank from It's Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia, uh, the episode where they all go to therapy and he is talking about his childhood and he's like, oh, you unzipped me. Oh, I'm unzipped. Yeah, so I'm extremely empathetic now and it is as though every feeling that I had just bottled up for like 20 years is now all at like just the top of everything. I just feel 
all of my emotions are right on my sleeve and it is something that I feel constantly and I and I don't have any shame around. Like it's exactly what I'm feeling and there isn't a single person I'm around who doesn't understand it. I'm extremely empathetic and sensitive to art, music, to any human I see suffering. Uh, literally, I can just start talking about a recent meaningful tattoo I have and welcome to fucking waterworks. Like, if we, <laughs> anyone who ever meets me, if we just want to talk about the little prince, I will fucking start crying. It is now just a part of who I am and accepting how emotional I can be because it's, I mean, it is absolutely beautiful. Like, when I see it in other people, there is nothing that's more powerful than a person that owns exactly how they feel. Like, there isn't anything that makes me connect faster to a person than someone who owns and is vulnerable. I mean, it is, it's absolutely beautiful to watch. And it's fascinating to <laughs> how people react to me when I am that open and I am that vulnerable in mixed company. It is, I mean, I know that it is not something that has just been widely accepted and adopted that, yeah, I mean, men have a lot of emotions too and we should absolutely be able to express them and have it be something that is just accepted because just like uh, our female counterparts, um, feelings are just a part of existence. It's the reason that we're fucking here and the more that it is something that is accepted and is uh and honestly appreciated is only for the better for all of us as just a fucking as a species as a society like it's important to be able to emote openly and share feelings with each other so by by knowing my expression of emotion is authentic and being willing to share that part of me vulnerably it's incredible to both watch and feel the response from others. Like it opens the door for others to feel safe, to be themselves, share more intimately and embrace connection. I mean, and then alternatively, it makes some people really uncomfortable, which is totally cool because those are people I have compassion for because they're not, I mean, I may not want to invest time and energy into them. Like, thank you for showing me that you're not ready to like be that emotionally available. I sincerely only want to surround myself with those who have um, and who are on a path to be consistently vulnerable and emotionally available. And this leads us to the S tier of superpowers. And there is only one at the top of my list. Unsurprisingly, it's one that is invaluable for both personal and external use. It's also the antithesis <laughs> of what many people perceive the nice guy or girl to be. This one is rooted in authenticity, acceptance, inclusion, joy, simplicity, and deep and meaningful connection, kindness. Guess what? From now until the end of this life, you're gonna make mistakes, be kind to yourself. You're gonna hurt other people. Be kind to them and make amends and be kind to yourself because you are doing your best. Wanna connect with other people in a meaningful way? Be kind with no expectations. Kindness isn't transactional. It's a way of being that is transformative to you and those who are around you. It's magnetic. 
nearly all of my sense of self and commitment to meaningful connection starts with being kind to myself and sharing that peace with everyone I engage with. Being kind encompasses everything positive on the emotional spectrum while also holding space for the inevitable negativity that one will undoubtedly experience. Kindness is also the grace to forgive yourself for anything you've done to hurt yourself or someone else and forgive those who have hurt you. When you decide to go all in on kindness, you no longer have to think about being nice. You've leveled up and get the opportunity to share the absolute best authentic version of you. No mask, just vulnerability and integrity. There is no feeling in this world that is better than allowing others to see the kind in you and appreciating it when you see it in others. Man. Be the kind guy. Be the kind woman. Like, there are only two compliments that I think that I've ever received that have resonated with me in a way that uh, really matter. That have like been like things that hit me in my fucking core. One is, you make me feel safe. And the other one is, you are kind. And I think that if in lieu of just the ubiquitous, yeah, he's a nice guy. I mean, being able to engage with others to the degree that when they walk away from you, they want to talk about you as someone who is kind. Like, we need to fucking make that a thing. Like, I'm constantly, I gravitate toward people who exude that, like a kindness and a, a quiet confidence in who they are as a person. And man, uh, it is so beautiful to be around people, just connect and want to connect with others without any, like from like a, an essentially an altruistic sense of, I don't want anything from you. All I want to do is be around you. All I want to do is share my energy with you. Man, when I find those people, those are the only people I want to be around now. And if you are not that type of person, shit, man, I don't have energy for you anymore. Like, I only want to be around people who have that. And yeah, and that's, that's going to be it for this one. So um, make sure to... Like and subscribe. Check out Consentences on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much wherever. And it's just at Consentences. And uh, other than that, I love me. I love y'all. And I'm going to see you on the next one.